Hey everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the Nerd Federation Podcast with your host, Will Hernandez, and this is take two because I just lost 28 minutes worth of commentary. Oh, goodness. I mean, that's kind of the life of a content creator. Sometimes you record something, you think it comes out great, and then you fuck up in the editing process and you delete the track by accident. So that's swell. So I'm doing this for a second time, and I hope that I'm able to get across the points that I made the first time, but I am just off of watching the Xbox Developer Direct, and man, oh man, oh man, I am so fucking excited for Indiana Jones. That was really the big thing that I was looking forward to in this Developer Direct, and it did not disappoint. When they first talked about this, they dropped that teaser trailer in January of 2021. I was immediately like, you got, yeah, I'm in. Like, I'm in. I'm fucking in for this. Like, I am so in. And even when it was announced that Machine Games was going to do the game, uh, develop the game, everybody was like, oh, I'll be curious to see kind of what their take on this is. Is it going to be first person? Is it going to be third person? And they answered that question today during about 10 minutes during the show. They showed some great gameplay. The game looks fucking great. You want to talk about graphical fidelity? <laughs> like the game looks incredible. And they really nailed the atmosphere in the Anna Jones, the aesthetic of Indiana Jones and kind of really captured the essence of Indiana Jones. And they really had to because this is Todd Howard's baby. I mean, he's had this vision for a very, very long time. And now we're going to be getting it later this year. We don't have a date yet. Excuse me. We don't have an exact date yet, but it is going to happen later this year. So I'm going to start at the top here, and as I was watching the show, I purposely did not look at social media during the show because I wanted to come in fresh. I didn't want any of my opinions to be colored in any way. So everything I'm I'm really about to say here is just kind of off the top of my head. I took some notes during the show. And uh, yeah, you know, let's get into it. So the first thing that they, they, they did was they started with Avowed and Obsidian. And I know this was a game that people were kind of like, eh, when they first saw one of the previews because of the style of the game, because it looked too colorful, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But and they talked about that. They discussed why, you know, it's a colorful world. It's a rich looking world. It looks weird, right? You're going to have different biomes. They mentioned how there's going to be biome diversity, lush green, uh, wintry, desert, you know, kind of the things that you would expect from, from biome diversity. And they start off with showing a little bit of the combat and some of the enemies. And I think the enemies looked 
looked cool. That was kind of the first thing that I had written down in my notes was that the enemies look cool. They kind of remind me of the Sleezax from uh, The Lost World. If you know that show, if you grew up in the 80s, you know there was a show that this family gets like lost. Uh, that's why it's called Lost World. They're on like this raft and they end up in this like other dimension and is like dinosaurs and there are these alien looking creatures called uh, the Sleezax. And that's kind of what these <laughs> enemies reminded me of. So there is enemy variety. Don't get me wrong. It's not the only kind of enemy enemy that you're going to be going up against because it looks, you know, there are going to be human enemies as well. But I thought the, you know, these creatures looked, uh, reminded me of that show. Anyway, the one thing that I really did, that it hit me right away was what they're saying is a flexible combat system. So you're going to have spell casting, be able to cast spells. You're going to be able to shoot a gun, which I think is interesting for this type of game. And then you're going to have your hack and slash. So using a sword and using a shield. So, And you'll be able to go between the three. Even within an encounter, they, they showed something quick where the character froze somebody with the wand. And then they stabbed them. Stabbed the enemy and the enemy shattered because they were, you know, they were uh, frozen. So I love the way that the combat is looking and I love the variety of the combat that you'll be able to use different ways to kind of defeat the enemies. They even show like dual wielding. So you'll be able to have two wands or you'll be able to have uh, uh, two guns or a combination of, of everything. So... That kind of, uh, that was a really cool, I thought, aspect of, of what they showed. Then they talk about the consequences with choices, right? This is what Obsidian is no f- known for. I played the Outer Worlds and I wasn't particularly that enamored with it. I mean, I enjoyed my, my time with it, but I wasn't like, oh man, this is like the best shit I ever played. Keep in mind though... I don't really play, at least back then, whenever the other worlds came out. I don't really play a lot of those games per se that have that um, choice and consequence type of uh, loop to it. But I had heard good things about Obsidian, so I decided to give the Outer Worlds a chance. And I again, I liked it. I I really need to go back and play the. Uh, the DLC to those uh, to the, to that game. So, but yeah, they talk about the, the consequences with choices here, and they showed one thing where there's you go to this camp, and there were villagers dead that were camping out out there, and you kind of go around and you collect their badges, and you go to the, like the one person that survived the ordeal. And you basically ask them, like, what the fuck happened? Like, what what happened here? So you basically have the choice of believing the person, right? And giving back your giving back their um their fallen comrades' badges and then kind of going about your day, or you can confront them and basically ask them, Well, did you abandon your post? Did you abandon your camp? So they mentioned how depending on that choice. When you go back to the village, the village will react to you <laughs> based on that 
based on that choice. So they really, I think they really hammered home and made a point to talk about how they are, that there's going to be uh, consequences with your choices in this game. So basically, uh, yeah, and the final thing that they basically, they said was, hey, this is coming out in the fall, in the fall of uh, of this year. So that's um that's exciting. That's exciting to see that we're going to be playing that game uh, this year. So then they went into Ninja Theory and into Hellblade 2. And I think, honestly, <laughs> I think what a lot of people were waiting for was a fucking date for this game. And we finally got one. And it's May 21st. So there's your second quarter game for Xbox. It's going to be Hellblade 2. Now, there were some interesting things that came out post-Developer Direct with this on the Xbox Wire. The game is going to be about the same length as the first one. So you're thinking 8, 9, 10 hours. But it's going to be digital only, which, I don't know. Listen, as somebody who has transitioned more to digital games, somebody my age really does appreciate the physical stuff, and I have a bunch of physical games, don't get me wrong. So, I mean, this is not a game that I would want to own on disc anyway, but the, the crazy thing is it's only going to be $50, which I think is kind of crazy for a game that looks the way it does, that they're going to be charging only $50 for this game. And I kind of feel like I expect the game to do well because of that. Because you might have people who are just like taking a chance and saying, oh, 50 bucks. Okay, this looks interesting. I, I feel like, again, there people talk about value of a game versus time spent and, and money's paid. $50, 8, 9, 10-hour narrative-focused game. It's interesting. It's an interesting price point for it. And I wonder... I wonder how well it's going to sell with that at that price point. So that'll be something to kind of keep an eye out for. They did show some stuff with the combat and it is all new combat for the sequel. They made a point to say that it does look different. I did not finish the first Hellblade because I just basically got distracted playing that game and went on to something else, but it's something I want to go back to. But I think I probably got about halfway through the game. And I didn't think the combat was all that great, to be honest. But this combat looks more interactive. And they even said they want you to seem like Senua, you're fighting for survival. And it always looks like you just survived. So they're really kind of going for it here with that. The music is going to be a big thing again here. I mean, that's they said it. The sounds in general, that's going to be a big thing here. You're going to want to play with headphones on, <laughs> just like in the first game. As much as I, I, like I did drop off that first game, but from everything that I've heard, everybody said you need to play the game with headphones because of the way they use sound in the game. Because don't forget, Senua is suffering from psychosis. So she's got voices in her head, basically. No, not like Randy Orton, but like legit 
like uh, like voices in her head. I thought it was funny, not funny, but it's interesting that they that they work with like medical professionals about the psychosis part of Senua's uh, condition. So that's interesting to see. And it's always kind of good when you kind of keep things, uh, you know, real in a way and consult with professionals. If you watched Echo, the new Marvel series on Disney+, Plus, they did the same thing where they consulted with the Indian tribe that the show is based on to make sure that they got everything everything right and everything accurate. And they actually thanked the tribe at the end of the credits uh, of the season. So it's good when companies really take the extra step and really like nail something uh, when it comes to, you know, trying to keep things real. So Hellblade 2, May 21st. So they did something cute with the surprise developer and it was Square Enix. Can you believe it? Can you believe that? And it's going to be a Visions of Mana game, which I have no experience with whatsoever. But here's the significance. First one in 15 years in the series. And it's the first one that's going to be on Xbox. I I think this is a coup in many ways. Obviously, it's not coming exclusively to Xbox. It's going to be on Xbox. But the fact that Square Enix showed up on an Xbox developer direct says that things have fucking changed between the two companies. Don't forget, Square Enix has traditionally been skipping out on the Xbox platform for a variety of reasons. We all know the reasons. (laughs) They just don't have a strong presence in Japan. And there's this huge perception that Xbox gamers don't buy games, which is whatever. I'm not going to get into that right now. But we've been waiting to see these past couple of Final Fantasy games on Xbox with 15 and the 7 remake. Obviously, uh, I'm sure I make sure 16 and the Final Fantasy remake, 7 remake. 15's on there. But the whole thing now that 14, which is the MMO is coming to Xbox with the beta supposedly set for for next year. So things are changing. Things are are definitely changing there. And listen, the game looks interesting enough for me. I've never played these type of games before, but the combat looks cool. Another colorful game. It's kind of giving me Kena Bridge of Spirit vibes. You know, it's that Zelda-esque type of uh, aesthetic to it. So, uh, you know, I, I might be interested. I would have to... Get myself up to date on the Mana series. And that is coming out in the summer sometime. So, Aria, listen, I don't... (laughs) Not really my thing. That's just not my thing. PC game, it's a strategy game. I'm never going to play it. So, I know those people look very happy about showing off their game. And congrats to them. But I just... I don't care. As simple as that. So, I will move on. And the final game. Ooh, surely just cracked. Final game here. Indiana Jones, like I mentioned before. And this is something that Todd Howard has been wanting to make forever. 
And he talked about during the video how he thought he thought about who would be the best studio to do this. And he found he thought it would be Machine Games. Now, this is going to be in first person most of the time. The people on Machine Games talked about how this is their bread and butter. Hello, Wolfenstein. Like this is their this is their bread and butter. And they wanted to give the perspective of being up close and personal and seeing the world through Indiana Jones's eyes. They thought that that was a key thing to do. So they are staying with their heritage and doing first person. Now, there will be third person moments in the game. They showed one part of the video where Indiana's going and and using his whip to climb up the side of, side of a wall, and it goes into a third person shot. So there are going to be moments in the game where you do see the third person because that was kind of the talk about, you know, people want to be able to see Indiana Jones because of his iconic look, obviously, with the hat and the whip. And the general kind of browns that he that he that he has on, but so this this is kind of the good I think in between with this. So you got that aspect of it, and they're using the Harrison Ford model for for the game. I'm sure he's getting paid a shit ton of money for that. But the crazy thing is, I'm sitting there and watching it. I'm like, God damn, that is that Harrison Ford that's doing the voice. Because it really does sound like him. It's not. It's fucking Troy Baker. He's the one doing the vote, the voice for Indiana Jones. He fucking nails it, man. Because he sounds exactly like Harrison Ford. Like it's it's um it's kind of crazy to uh to hear it. So I would highly suggest to go back and look at that, listen to that trailer, and be like, wow, that's um that's some pretty good fucking work by by Troy Baker there. So. I love how the story is going to take place in between Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade. And it was interesting when they had somebody was kind of introducing what they were doing and talking about the concept of the game. They went through the movies and they only went through the first three. They only went through the original trilogy, which I think says a lot. I think that says a lot about the quality of the last two movies that came out and maybe how maybe that just wasn't a good idea to have those last two I saw Crystal Skull Kingdom of the whatever the fuck that one's called and I haven't seen the last one yet but and I I kind of want to see it just to see it <laughs> you know it's his last it's Harrison Ford's last performance as Indiana Jones and I kind of just want to see it just to see it. But I do think that the inspiration for the game is really the first three movies. And I think it's great that it's set between Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade. And if you look at the trailer, it just captures the essence of Indiana Jones. It captures the essence of those games. I mean, of those movies. It captures the essence of that time frame it captures the essence of what he does, the adventurer, the archaeologist. And you really do see a lot of 
Uncharted slash Tomb Raider vibes. But also keep in mind that Uncharted and Tomb Raider are based off of Indiana Jones. I mean, that is the premise for those for those two games. So in a lot of ways, it's kind of it's it's coming it's coming full circle here with the with the uh with Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. Not crazy about that, about that name, but it is kind of what it is. There will be a religious aspect to it. I mean, they've already made that very clear, which is not surprising because Indiana Jones has always kind of gone and took Dial of Destiny. That's what the last one's called. <laughs> I was blanking out about what that one was called. But going back to the religious aspect, it's something that Indiana Jones has always touched upon. That fine line between like religion and supernatural. Last Crusade is my favorite of of the three. I've always loved that whole holy grail aspect. I find that so fascinating that the person who drinks from that lives forever. I love it. I love that aspect of uh, of that story. So the one thing that I'm gonna have to I'm going to have to power through is the fact that this game is going to have puzzles. They didn't make it seem like that they were going to be that they were that. Let me back up. They're going to be optional in most cases and part of the environment to take a different path to somewhere. But they did say, and I quote, the more you look, the more you discover, the more you'll discover. So it might be imperative to do some of the puzzles so you can find whatever secrets that might be that might be hiding and they they mentioned how the puzzles are going to be a seamless part of the environment and they're going to have lots of environments you're going to go to a city you're going to go to the uh pyramids in Egypt you're going to go to the Himalayas so you're going to get variety in the environments and the reason why they did that is because they were trying to make it as authentic as they possibly could and uh, you know stay true to the movie because that's what Indiana Jones did. He was always globe trotting. I love the fact by the way that they used the whole plane thing. You know when they do the red line and the, you follow the plane's path. They showed that here as well and I thought man man these guys really they they really love Indiana Jones and they were really nailing nailing this thing they talked about the whip integration and i got into it a little bit before but you can use it for traversal like climbing up as i mentioned before you can use it as a distraction and obviously as a weapon which is what i think a lot of us will do because that's kind of the fantasy is the weapon i can't tell you how many times that i would coil up a belt and like use that as the whip Unfortunately, siblings <laughs> would be on the receiving end of 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 that. I always love uh, when they show that part when he uses the whip for the first time. I think it's in the Last Crusade. He's going up against that the lion, and he does the whip, and he nicks himself in like the chin or the lip. I've always I've always uh loved that scene. So one final thing is just. They're having another character in here. Her name is Gina. She's an investigative reporter. So I love that they're combining like the journalism aspect of this and the Indiana Jones aspect of this. And it's just like, man, 
They are really, I am so, so sold on this game that it's not even funny. And we're going to get it later this year. I'm thinking, as I put a bow on this episode, we don't have a first quarter game yet. Like, they talked about how they were going to do something um, every quarter, right? So we don't have, we don't have that first quarter game. We know the second quarter is going to be Hell, uh, Hellblade. So that's going to be in May. So first quarter is January, February, March. Don't have anything for that. Second quarter is April, May, June. We're going to have um, Hellblade 2 in May. July, August, September, quarter three. They said Avowed's going to be in the fall. Aria as well. I'm thinking what we're going to see is you're going to have a busy third and fourth quarter where you're going to have Avowed, Call of Duty. Don't forget that. I'm going to say Avowed's in September, Call of Duty's in October, and then Indiana Jones is in early November. I think that's going to kind of be the cadence for what they're going to do. So it's going to be kind of interesting to kind of see how that all plays out. And... There's this thought in my mind where, oh, what happens if one of these games gets pushed back? But these games look ready. Avowed looks ready. Indiana Jones looks ready to go. Like, I, I can't imagine that it's not. I think they have pretty high confidence that these games are coming to be coming out in the second half of this year. Otherwise, you probably would not have shown, would have shown them. So, again, we don't have a first quarter game, but I think we have... We already have the rest of the year set for Xbox, and it's exciting. I mean, I'm excited. Listen, I'm somebody that plays on all three systems, more the PlayStation and the Xbox, but, you know, I, I have a, a, a soft spot in my heart for, for Xbox. I mean, that's like the first major next-generation console that I, that I owned, that uh, the, big, uh, the big one, the original one. And Halo is near and dear to my heart. So I'm always going to have a preference, I think, for the Xbox platform. But again, I play on PlayStation and I play my Switch on occasion. So it's going to be a big year for Xbox and I'm looking forward to it. So that's going to do it here. Hopefully I don't <laughs> erase this episode again by accident. Oh, it's so it's so annoying. So, so very annoying, but... Shit happens. And uh, yeah, want to do this, want to get this out of the way. I didn't want to wait until the regular episode uh, next Wednesday because episode nine just came out yesterday and you have this here. So really looking forward to uh, to getting my hands on some of these games. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining me. Maybe let me know if you're as excited for Indiana Jones as I am because I am just pumped for it. And I will see you on Wednesday for episode number 10 of the Nerve Federation podcast. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care.